The cost of living makes it expensive to eat out in the Scandinavian countries. So what should you expect to eat when you're in Sweden or Norway or Denmark? Your options vary from Europe's top-rated experimental Nordic cuisine in Copenhagen to the fish and game that get rural northerners through the long, cold winter. The great variety of comfort food and drink in Scandinavia sometimes requires a little explanation. So we're joined now by Jena Clausen from Denmark, Osa Danielsen from Sweden, and Paul Johansson from Norway. Jena, Osa, and Paul, thanks for being here. So now when you're uh, serving up a big meal, what distinguishes it to make it Danish when you're having uh, guests over at a traditional Danish farmhouse? Jena. Well, I, I think one of the most important things for hospitality in Denmark is that you serve a, a traditional Danish lunch. And uh, just remembering that traditional doesn't always mean that it tastes good. It just means that for whatever reason, this is what people had to eat way back when. <laughs> and so one of the things that we eat, at, we start off a Danish lunch with uh, pickled herring. Uh-huh. And I don't know that I would necessarily eat pickled herring if I wasn't a Dane or I wasn't a Scandinavian. <laughs> it just means that, you know, we have the luxury here to eat fresh fish sometimes. If we have to go a step down, we go to frozen fish. And then a step further down is pickled. And then if you must, then you have the Norwegian lutefisk, which uh, you have to kind of uh, so that's uh, soak a good, in lye. Okay, so we're going to have a traditional meal, and it's going to have a reminder built in about the hardships of our grandparents, perhaps. Exactly. So and, you'll have your pickled herring in Denmark. I consider that a hardship, yes. I consider it a hardship when my parents uh, <laughs> force-fed me that to make me a true Dane. But I actually do like it now. Herring, okay. So herring and rye bread, uh, you have a liver pate, and you have uh, some other traditional dishes. It could be rødgrød med fløde, a dessert as well. We'll talk more about that in a moment, but you mentioned the Norwegian uh, food of remembering your forefather's suffering. Paul, talk about that. Is there something in Norwegian cuisine that you eat because you're Norwegian or you eat because your parents want you to know that life used to be very <laughs> tough and it's going to be tough for you too. Well, I think certainly that the Norway is out of the three Scandinavian countries is the country with the, the strangest dishes. Okay, certainly what would Well, due to the long winters and low access to food, people had to find different ways to preserve it. They put it into lye, caustic soda, which became lutefisk. So that would be... Codfish? Um, what, yeah, what? codfish. So you take the cod and you have to preserve it somehow, so yep. you soak it in lye. You marinate it. Mar- that sounds, sounds better. better, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway you do it, it's going to be lutefisk. And then you have, for example, the gravlax, which is salmon that they dug down. And you have dug the, down, meaning they buried the salmon. Yeah, they buried the salmon. So really? That, so, so it's kind of like in in Iceland, they would bury a shark. Yeah, it's the same. Similar thing. We bury it, the salmon. So yeah. it rots in a more edible way. The gravlax doesn't rot, but uh, in the inland areas in the middle of Norway, you have something. It's called the rakfisk, which is a fermented trout. <laughs> so it, it doesn't need to be saltwater fish to be miserable. You no, can take a freshwater fresh fish, fish as well. And let it ferment and yeah, then and eat it. It has a very uh, strong taste to it. Um, personally, I have a quite a complicated uh, relationship to that dish. How but, so? But Tell I, me about your complicated relationship with the fermented trout of the center of Norway. 
The thing is that this this kind of food, if you're an adult in Norway, you are sort of expected to eat it during uh, Christmas, for example. So uh, I always sample uh, a little bit of it. Uh, just sort of during... like saluting the flag. Yeah, yeah. You, it's just something you have to do. And you then know, part it... of your Pledge of Allegiance is fire water, isn't it? As well. Uh, we have something, it's called uh, aquavit, uh-huh. which is a potato liquor. It probably makes the fermented fish go down easier. <laughs> it does, it does. <laughs> we'll talk more about Agavid in a moment, but I want to go to Sweden now. And Osa, when you think about something that would be quintessentially Swedish, would it be stinky and rotten, or would it be something that's a little more delightful for the children? Well, we have it all. We have the stinky and rotten, and we have the pickled herring. But the Swedish dish is, is of course, the Swedish meatballs oh, okay. with the lingonberry jam on the side. That's very typical to eat with your meat to eat something sweet and sour. That's very typically so the lingonberry Swedish. Mm-hmm. with the Swedish meatball and uh, Swedish pancakes also come with lingonberry. No, not with lingonberry. That would come with the raspberry. With raspberry. raspberry but, you know, jam. in America, mm-hmm. I believe when we go to a restaurant and have Swedish pancakes, it comes with lingonberry. Well, that's an American <laughs> invention then. <laughs> really? I didn't know that. No, that <laughs> next time I order my Swedish pancakes, I will say, excuse me, this should be with meatballs. Exactly. And like, I'd also like to add that uh, the Swedes, they're so famous for these meatballs. But uh, in Norwegian, we have something much better. And it's called meat cakes <laughs> and they're bigger than the meatballs like four times bigger and a lot more juicy chutkaka so, yeah chutkaka chutkaka yeah, that's good my Rick. grandma gave me yeah, chutkaka it's a different shape <laughs> <laughs> that's true it is a different shape a chutkaka is like a big fat sauce, uh, sausage patty it is. It like is. a hamburger. It's like a, a hamburger, it's a hamburger, kind basically. of, yeah. But in but Sweden, we, we've got these beautifully round meatballs. But we also have, uh, when we um, serve the flat meatballs, so to speak, we mm-hmm. we have those too. We serve them with the uh, onion sauce and so So, so you call them Norwegian hockey pucks? <laughs> <laughs> we actually call them biff. So it's biff. quite, yeah, biff, biff. Okay. biff. But uh, one thing that is very traditionally Swedish and and Norwegian, because it has to do with our big forests and our mountains, Mm -hmm. is game food, reindeer, moose, or different kinds of... of, That's right. I think the Swedish cuisine would mirror the terrain, where in Norway there's there's just more fjords and and more difficult shoreline and and more desperate people looking for something that's edible. (laughs) In in Sweden, you've got vast forests. So you've got hunting, you've got berries, you've got mushrooms, all of this. Exactly. That's very, very typically. We uh, spend the the autumns going out berry picking and mushroom picking to dry the mushrooms and, and to make the jam out of the berries. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Scandinavian cuisine. We're joined by Paul Johansson from Norway, Osa Danielsen from Sweden, and Jena Clausen from Denmark. Here from the United States, looking over at Scandinavian cuisine, a lot of times, especially, I guess, Norwegian cuisine, the joke is it's all just white. It's just boring. You know, it's just a, a carrier for spices, maybe, mm. but the, the food itself is... My grandma used to always feed me fiskeballer. Fiskeballer, yeah. White, white fish balls. I was raised on fiskeballer and, Fiske- and shatkakir. <laughs> <laughs> fish balls and meat cakes. Yeah. But now, Scandinavian cuisine is sort of coming into its own, and, and it's sort of trendy. Uh, Jena, I think in Denmark, is one of the very best restaurants in the world. Um, I think it has been voted for a number of years, Noma, as the best restaurant in the world. And basically what it is, new Nordic cuisine, a new Danish cuisine, is that you are hyper-local in what you eat. So you go out to the beach and you find out what, what kind of things are out on the beach. And it may be... Uh, 
an interesting grass they taste. It might be all of these microclimates. If the wind is in the west, then on the other side of the hill, there'll be a special mushroom. There will be a special grass that can be eaten as a salad. And that is something that is very special to Scandinavia right now. It may be uh, on the downside. It may be retreating. It's not quite as popular. I think Mm -hmm. it's been very popular for the past five, six years, Mm -hmm. and it has really put Scandinavian cuisine on the map. So this is new Nordic cuisine distinguished by hyper-local ingredients. That's right, and also hyper-seasonal eating. You only eat what's in season, and you only eat what's in season right around that restaurant or right around where you live. And it's very experimental as well. Yeah, it's talk about that. It's very experimental because they can <laughs> even put in one or two little ants in there. In mm-hmm. that, uh, <laughs> and charge a lot of money for it at yes, Noma. Yes, exactly. Right. You have to get a reservation six months out or something at I, Noma. You know, I have actually never been, uh, I have never been able to presume that I could afford to go to <laughs> Noma. But I actually went to the restaurant that was started by the sous chef at Noma that's very close to where my family lives in Denmark mm-hmm. at, a, at an 11th century castle. And the sous chef from Noma had started a restaurant there. And it was the same kind of thing where in this old castle garden, they had revived the old herb garden from 800 years ago and found herbs that they didn't even know existed. So that is part of the you know, the source of many of the herbs and the grasses and that so on. That are really indigenous to indigenous Denmark. Indigenous to that area. Osa, I was just in Stockholm and I was very impressed by the trendy restaurants in Södermalm. Mm. That's the trendy bohemian chic yeah. kind of zone. Young area. Talk about mm-hmm. the the young hip cuisine in in Stockholm because it really is something that takes people by surprise. Wow, this is really good food and there's a very good vibe and a, a buzz about it, you know? Mm, it is. I think one thing that uh, distinguishes the people of Scandinavia or the Swedes in this case is that we are very open to different kinds of of food. We have actually been said to be the most flexible people that are most open to try new things. One of these things are a new new flavors, new food. So we also like to experiment a lot and mix different food cultures. And I found that a lot of fusion cuisine in Scandinavia was just in Stockholm was so creative and so fun loving and I just looked forward to going out to dinner every night. So I find a big a big part of eating in Sweden, if you're there at a certain time of year, is the crayfish festival. And everybody's crazy about these crayfish. Can you explain that? Absolutely. It's uh, one of the traditions of the year. We have a lot of different seasonal traditions in Sweden, and every tradition comes with its own food. And the crayfish festival is in August. That's when you meet, go together uh, with your friends, uh, typically out uh, to your summer house, and you're sitting outdoors, and you're sitting under lamps, Uh, It's August night. It's starting to get darker. The summer nights in June and July are much lighter, but now it starts to get darker. So you have candles uh, in the trees and everyone wears silly hats with crayfish motifs on. (laughs) And you are sitting at a long table. You're basically eating a lot of uh, cheese and bread and things like that. And a big pile of crayfish, red crayfish that are only available to buy in the stores during the season. Some people go out and fish them on their own, and they're only you're only allowed to fish them during these so months. So it sounds like a social time and just a great way to celebrate August when Absolutely. you're with friends. Absolutely, the late, late summer. Paul. We have something similar in, uh, in Norway in, in autumn as well, uh, when we have the season for eating sheep. 
we have a very uh, popular dish in in Norway. It's called for i kol, which means sheep in cabbage, and it's basically just. Sheep. As it says, sheep in cabbage. <laughs> and that would be a festival in the fall. <laughs> that is, that's a festival in the fall when we get together and, and we eat sheep in cabbage. <laughs> now, traditionally, when you go to Norway, uh, a lot of Americans who have Norwegian heritage, they, they know about lefse mm-hmm. and they know about jetost, mm-hmm. goat cheese. Can you talk about lefse and jetost? Well, uh, jetost, or, or brown cheese, as we call it. Is, it looks uh, like earwax. <laughs> <laughs> but it tastes oh, better. It tastes it's better. better. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice and sugary. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is. It's it? like peanut butter. It's I a, think it's yeah, a bit you sweet. It on yes. Your cracker. It's yeah. quite nice. The thing is that in in Norway we have something. It's called the matpakke, which is a food package. Mm-hmm. And so every day uh, for uh, 15 years, my mother would make me a, a food package before I went to school. Oh, your little lunch pail. Yeah, my little lunch pail. And uh, on this uh, open-faced sandwich, she would put a slice of uh, brown cheese. Goat cheese. Goat cheese, which, of course, when uh, by the time of lunch, would be kind of uh, sweaty in a way. <laughs> and <laughs> and there was no variation here. So this was every pretty day much you had what, your goat what cheese I had, sandwich. had for every day, yeah. I love uh, that when I go to Norway. And then you have the the lefse, which yeah. is um, sort of like a tortilla in a way. Yeah. And uh, you have different kinds of of lefse. It's like potato bread, isn't it? Potato bread, yeah. Uh-huh. But they they are different from the east to the west. You can put uh, just butter and sugar and cinnamon on them. Mm. But you can also put uh, head cheese. Oh, head cheese. Yeah. During Christmas, we put head cheese and mustard. Or uh, we put uh, some Christmas sausage and mustard on the lefse. I think I'll go for the butter and cinnamon <laughs> and, uh, and sugar. Jena from Denmark, there's a concept in Denmark that I just love, uh, you know, hygli, that coziness, that conviviality, that, mm-hmm. that intimacy. Mm-hmm. Is that unique to Denmark, would you say? I think it is unique to Denmark in many ways. It probably originates there, but it's that sense of being content or contentedness and it usually includes, it's very hard to hugeside by yourself. You know, you can't really be hugely by yourself. It usually involves other people. And not just other people, but food and drink, and sometimes lots of it. So this is eating, drinking together, enjoying uh, the magic evening hours. The magic uh, evening with a lit candle, or candles. And when I go into a small town, I see lit candles behind the windows, and I see people having a convivial cozy time together. Yes. And it's so much more than just cozy. It's this sense of being content and being What is the Danish happy. word again? We say hygli. Hygli. Osa from Sweden and Paul from Norway. Is that a, a distinction about Denmark or did they just grab the word first? Are they better at hygli? Well, they, they certainly use the word a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's that does mean that they are better at it. But uh, we actually have a, a word uh, that we use in Norway as well. And what is that? And that is kosele. Uh, kosele? Yeah. yeah. Or kose okay. Which means to have it cozy. To have it cozy. Yeah. yeah. And ossa. And mysigt in Sweden. Mysa. Mysa. To cozy your, your to yourself. All oh, right. So we have three versions. But the Danes use that word a lot, hugli. Yeah. And it's a nice thing when you're traveling in Denmark. Even in the big city, you notice this hugliness. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Scandinavian cuisine. We're joined by Paul Johansson from Norway, Osa Danielsson from Sweden, and Jena Clausen from Denmark. Ah, just talking about all the Scandinavian food makes me want to travel back up to Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. And in each country, I believe, there is this uh, enthusiasm for the fire water. Can each of you tell me just a little bit about the akavit or the brandy? Yeah, the akavit. So uh, you find the akavit in all the three Scandinavian countries. Uh, but of course, each country will claim to have the best so what's the Norwegian akavit all about? 
We have uh, one special aquavit, uh, which is called the Linea aquavit. And um, this is a potato liquor. And after it has been distilled, uh, they put it onto oak barrels. They put the barrels onto a ship and they send the ship across the equator and back again. So it gives a special flavor from to the, the aquavit. From yeah, the from the barrel and from, okay. from the movements of the ship and from the salt. Uh, gotcha. Osa, in Sweden, what kind of uh, fire water would you have? Oh, we have the snaps, all sorts of different snaps. Uh, snaps. Is that yes. essentially the same as aquavit? Yes. And that yes. means literally the water of life. Yes, it does. We tend to put different herbs in it. And I think the thing that distinguishes Swedish tradition concerning aquavit most is the w- how we drink it. Because uh, we all do the cheering, uh-huh. skål. But in Sweden, we have the snap songs. We have hundreds and hundreds of different snap songs. So one party, Swedish party, whether it's the midsummer or the crayfish party or for Christmas, it's all along sing-along uh, festivity. Snap yes. songs, that's great. Yes. Now, Jena, in Denmark, you have uh, a passion for the skål. And there's a, a proper way to do it. Can we close our discussion with you just leading us in a good Danish toast? Absolutely. So what we do, again, is we raise our glasses, and this would be the small uh, shot glasses. We raise them no higher than our eyebrow. And then we make quick yet meaningful eye contact with the people around the table and say, skål. 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 And then we have a sip. Mm. Good. And then mm. we say skål again and quick yet meaningful skål. eye contact. Skål. 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 And it looks like our Norwegian and Swedish friends know just how to do this properly. And, and we I'd... don't necessarily clink the glasses. No. Exactly. But we mm. do enjoy a little sip and the togetherness exactly. of good people yes, we do. at the same table. Jena, Osa, Paul, tusen tak. Skål. 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 And how do you say good appetite in Norwegian? God appetit. In Swedish? Smaklig måltid. In Danish? Velbekommen. Velbekommen. Tack. Tack. Tusen tak. Each year, Rick Steves tour guides take free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Scandinavia, the Baltics, and beyond, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from three dozen exciting itineraries covering the best of Europe from Oslo to Istanbul, Paris to St. Petersburg, and practically everywhere in between. For a free catalog and Rick's Tour Experience DVD, visit our tour pages at ricksteves.com. <laughs>